for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Johnny Doskow, the voice of the Sacramento Rivercats, about the pending start to the Sacramento season. They are playing games right now up in Sacramento and out in Stockton exclusively against the A's alternate site team. So we'll talk to Johnny about some of the players who have come up already, specifically Gregory Santos and Camilo Doval. Also dive into a little Elliot Ramos and talk about some of the players and the plans for some of those players as the 2021 minor league season gets rolling just around the corner. All things we can talk about with Johnny Doskow, who joins me next. It's Wednesday, April 28th. It is my pleasure to welcome for the first time to the update Johnny Doskow. He's the voice of the Sacramento River Cats. He also does TV up there in Sacramento. Johnny, first time having you on, man. How are you? Kof's great, and it's great to be with you. It's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, yeah, I look forward to talking some baseball with you and, and some Oscar stuff. It's great. Well, yeah, I wanted to talk baseball, but we were texting this weekend about the Oscars because I'd put out a tweet about the value of the sound of metal if you were going to bet on them for best picture. They were like plus 10,000 or something. And I think across the board, most people thought that was maybe the best movie made this year. However, it got no love as far as uh, betting odds. But were you able to get a lean on that? Did you get any action on that, Johnny? I got action on it. I did. I, I bet it. I got it at 80 to 1. It went down from when you had that. It was 100 to 1. I got it down to 80 to 1, which was obviously good value. And it just didn't, you know, obviously Nomadland, the favorite at minus 600, no value there. And I, I you know, I, I, I thought Nomadland was great. I thought the movie of the year was Sound of Metal. I loved it. We've seen it twice. I just, I think that all, my wife and uh, kid loved it too. It's just such a, such a well done movie, great acting and uh, just uh, phenomenal. I think we can all expect that based on how some of these other award shows have gone, they did the outdoor Grammys thing in LA and uh, we saw the Golden Globes was different. I thought the Golden Globes was actually a pretty good show. I thought they did a good job with that. The Oscars. They switched it up. They like started. What it was weird. I thought that they did best picture before they did best actor and best actress, and then it just ends uh, with uh, with Joaquin Phoenix standing up there. Nobody's coming to take an Oscar, and he's like, "Catch you guys later. See you next year." Uh, that was it. What'd you think about that show, man? It was just so weird, man. It was just such a. I, I didn't think it was well done at all. I just didn't think the Oscars were that were that great this year. I, I just, there was just bad rhythm. It just didn't seem. Nothing seemed in sync. It just didn't. Uh, it, I don't know. It just didn't work this year. And I, obviously, part of it's COVID. And and I understand that's part of the deal. It just didn't uh, it didn't have its usual zip with me. I didn't I didn't I didn't care for it too much. Maybe with baseball, we do what they did with the Oscars, where halfway through the game, we'll pause the game and we'll do a trivia contest, and we'll see uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Maybe maybe that'll take the place of the runner on second base, huh? Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Good deal, man. Hey, so some of these rules have been going on in the minor leagues. Some of the changes uh, that we've seen at the big league level, the seven-inning doubleheaders, and you and I were texting about this the other day after the Madison Bumgarner no-hitter on Sunday, and you had pointed out that there was a no-hitter uh, in Sacramento back in 2001. Now, did it stand as a no-hitter in a seven-inning game, or were the rules different for how they categorize those things? Copes, it, it counted as, as a no-hitter in the minor leagues because, you know, they've been doing seven-inning doubleheaders in the minor leagues, I think for 25 years, maybe 30 years. It's been, been a long time since they've been doing that. So it counted as a no-hitter. So, you know, we don't put an asterisk by it. There's never been a nine-inning no-hitter in Rivercats history. And I, I find that mind-boggling with all the talent that's come through here when we were the A's and now with the Giants. There's also never been uh, – there's only been one cycle 
in River Cats history of all the guys that have been around. Adam Duvall for the cycle back in 2015, but it's just bizarre. We have not had a nine inning no hitter. We've had a couple nine inning no hitters thrown against us, but not a not a no hitter um, that the River Cats have thrown. But no, that's there's no asterisk by that Micah Bowie no hitter. The crazy part was though, Copes, there was literally probably 78 people in the stands. It was in Tacoma. The second game of a doubleheader was freezing cold, so nobody was there. But uh, but yeah, he did throw the throw the no hitter and no asterisk by it. So what do you think about the ruling on Madison Bumgarner? Personally, I'm okay with saying, hey, this is is uh, a different season. Some people say, well, if you schedule the seven innings, what's he supposed to do? He got every out he was supposed to get out. He didn't allow a hit, uh, and he sort of said that after the game. I don't know. I pitched today, and nobody got a hit. That's kind of a no hitter. I'm of the belief that sort of the traditional Major League Baseball rules, where you've got to go, and I know this was changed in the early '90s, but you got to go nine innings, 27 outs for it to be a no hitter. Where do you come down on the categorizing of that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I've been kind of wavering back and forth. I did hear Madison's comments on it, and then I did hear uh, somebody, some, another commentator talk about that, the fact that, look, it's not Mad Bum's fault that they made it seven innings, right? So, so it should be a legitimate no-hitter. I don't know, man. Like, I've, I've seen this rule for years, the, the few years now, runner with second base and the, the seven-inning no-hitter, but I, I'm kind of leaning towards no asterisk. Then I think about all the no-hitters that have been broken up in the eighth and broken up in the ninth. Uh, you know, but that's what it is now. They're talking two seven-inning games. Apparently the players are starting to really like the seven-inning doubleheaders. It's starting, the fans are starting to like it a little bit too. I'm still not on board, but I think because the, the league said seven innings, I think it's a legitimate no-hitter. I mean, because, because the league decided, right? So it, since the league decided it, I think you have to call it a no-hitter. I don't know. I, the league decided last year before the season started that they're not going to count that as legitimate no-hitter. It's going to be called a seven-inning no-hit game or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a mouthful. And, like, when we look back historically, this is just going to be such a funky couple of seasons. And if we're going to say the Dodgers World Championship in 60 games is legit, then maybe you got to say Madison Bumgarner's <laughs> no-hitter is legit, too. I don't know how you differentiate the two, but uh, we did allow the Dodgers to win a title with a 60-game season. So, hey, you're going to get a year now, a full season of baseball, it looks like, for a AAA squad, but you've been calling these, as you tweet them, the ATS Giants. You want to run that down for us, what that uh, that breaks down for? For a degenerate like me against the spread is like, that's, you know, people say <laughs> ATS against the exactly, spread, but yeah. I, I, I don't bet baseball, it's, it's that out, but yeah, it's alternate training side. I was saying taxi squad for a while, and then my buddy was like, you know what, it's not taxi squad, because taxi squad is when the four or five guys that are in the hotel that are waiting, you know, in the, in the, they fly to Miami, the Bosslers, they're in Miami and they're waiting for the, you know, in case something happens to get on the big league, uh, big league roster. That's the taxi squad legitimately. So I changed it to ATS alternate training site and that's kind of where I've gone with it. But yeah, that's, it's, um, it's really, it's really strange, but copes, it's going to be so nice to have a full season of minor league baseball. I didn't work last year. I'm going to call my first game in over 20 months when we get to May 6th in Las Vegas, and I just can't wait to get a full season of uh, calling games again because that was that was a long, long year not calling ball. And, and there'll be fans in the stands. I'm going to be traveling with the team. Got to, I kind of, have to, kind of have to stay away from the team, but I'll be traveling with the team. So it's just going to be nice to get get 130 whatever games it is and uh, get, get to call ball again. I'm really excited. How tough has it been for you, really, just with this alternate training site team, trying to get to know some of these guys? Because as you mentioned, you know, every year of minor league baseball, each team has a lot of turnover, I think. It's different than a major league roster because they're reassigning guys to different levels. Different guys leave the organization. Some come in. Free agents are signed as minor leaguers. But, like, when you're not in the clubhouse and you're not able to get on the field with these guys, you've got to get to know kind of who they are and understand how it is they play the game. And you're sort of having to relearn a bunch of these guys, especially with the new, I guess it's been three years now, 
now, the new regime of Farhan and Gabe Kapler and how they're using the minor league system. Has it been difficult for you to kind of get a grip of, of who these players are and, and what their abilities are? Great question. Extremely difficult. You know, and I know, look, first world problems. I know, you know, everybody, people have it. I'm complaining about something that, you know, people have way worse than I do, but it's been tough. I'm so used to every day going into Dave Brundage's office, our manager, and talking about stuff off the record and on the record and talk about stuff that, you know, about the players, who's coming up, who's going out. And it's just and not, not be able to go down for BP. I know the big league broadcasters go through this too, to not be able to go down to BP and get the pulse of the team. There's a rhythm to the season and the dailiness of the season is what I love. And I, I don't have that. I feel like I'm a little bit of fish out of water right now. Like I don't feel like I don't know the team. I'm not connected with the team at all. I mean, I've been talking to Damon Miner on the phone, Garvin Alston on the phone, David Brundage, and our trainer, David Getzoff. Besides that, I don't know too many of the guys. So it's just really a strange, strange time. And I feel I haven't done any games, so I'm just kind of tweeting about what's going on in the game. And I feel really there's a disconnect there. And I, I've got to um, hopefully this thing will open up a little bit when we get into you know, middle of June, late June, early July, because I, I'm one of those creatures. I need people. I need to be around people. And if I have to go on the road and I can't like ever have lunch with the coaches and I, you know, it's just, it just feels so unnatural copes, you know, it just doesn't feel, I, I've, I've been doing the same thing for 28 years and, in, in, you know, hanging out with the coaches and going to lunch with them and shooting the breeze with them. And I, I won't, I don't think I'm going to have that for the first part of this year. So it, it is strange personally and professionally. I think it's, it's really odd just to not be able to to have that rhythm and be able to talk to the players at the batting cage and what they're working on. And it's definitely a challenge, but hopefully, who knows, Cope, so we get to early July maybe, and then it'll open up a little bit, get back to where we were before, I hope. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Well, we're starting to see more and more people show up at the ballpark, but you're right. I mean, I, I think as, as, you know, if you listen to a game on the radio, it always seems like the broadcasters, whether it's you or Kruker Kipe or Ken Korak, whoever it is calling a game, seems like, oh, wow, they've got maybe special inside information or they've had these conversations with coaches and players, and it's because they do. It's not that they're trying to learn something to, to tell on a player or to break a story on the air, but when you get to know these players and coaches, you get a better understanding, I think, of the pulse of the team. And so you get a better idea of maybe who's getting a look today or who, who's uh, going to play a different position and as to why that is, because maybe a, a higher level wants to see this guy work out somewhere else. So it's certainly, I think, a, a big part of your broadcast. And so getting to know these players and to get back on the field with them and to talk to these coaches off the field is, is a big deal. But I want to hit on some of the players because you've been up there, you've been watching these alternate site games. I guess the two main guys who have come up from the alternate site, Camilo Doval and Gregory Santos. I saw maybe about a week ago, you were tweeting that Santos was hitting 100 miles an hour on the gun. He looked nasty. And then days later... He gets called up. What do you think of these two guys and, and what you saw from them before they were called up to the Giants? Yeah, you know, I saw Doval uh, twice, and he one, one outing he struck out the side. The other outing, he I mean, he was just completely dominant. I just love his smooth delivery and just so, so much fun to watch. You know, I watched him in the monitor here. And, uh, and then just to watch him in San Francisco, you know the nerves are going, but you couldn't tell. It's just fun to watch. And Santos, yeah, he was hitting triple digits on the gun, and he looked good. And he had one outing here where he struck out the side, and he, he looked dominant too. But even just to, to see these guys, uh, you know, 
go up there and, and, and do their thing and have success. It's just really, it's really neat to see. It's just not as satisfying personally when you're not, you know, around those guys every day and, you know, you see them for three or four or five weeks and, and six weeks, and then they go and kind of dominate in games here and then go up. It's just a little different than the alternate site. That's why really I'm looking forward to getting the games going and then kind of seeing these guys on a daily basis. And then hey, Brennan always goes through a little fun thing when he calls guys up, messes with them. And I always love his stories on how he, uh, he messes with some of the guys before he tells them they're going up. I'm not sure you can really do that at the alternate site as much as you can kind of during the regular season. But both those guys, I think, are there to stay, hopefully, and um, both are major talents. And you got to—I'll tell you what—got to give the Giants a lot of credit, man. They're uh, finding a way to to get these guys either through the system or pluck these guys from other teams, and it's been pretty impressive to see what the Giants have done over the last several years. And I'm I'm just excited about what's going on with the future of this club. It's a great call about, you know, doing the little surprise things or the, the fun games or whatever tricks you play on a guy to get him called up. I, I was wondering if Brundage had run out of stuff to do, being that like two years ago there were, what, like 50 guys called up, right? I think the Giants used 80 guys a couple of years ago, right? He's always got a different little prank he has for the guys, and he, he, he loves it. Whether it's talk about, you know, do you like what you're making right now? And I'm not going to ask you your salary, but do you like what you're making? You know, <laughs> what, what, you know, how would you like to make a little bit more? And they're like, what? And they just, you're, going to the, you're going to San Francisco. Score. Do you like the fish? How do you like the fish? I think he did this on Ray Black. He's like, "What do you know about the fishing around Sacramento?" And he, Ray Black went through this whole thing, and, and he said, uh, "What about the fishing in uh, Pennsylvania, where you're from?" He's like, uh. "And then he goes, how about San Francisco? What about the fish?" And he still didn't get it. He's like, "You're going to San Francisco," and, and Ray Black's like, "Wow!" So it's just all the different different ways he has to mess with guys. I, I just love hearing about it, and I think you get that more when it's kind of the regular season as opposed to the alternate site. But I'm sure look, just as thrilling for those guys that got called up, though, Copes, you know, pretty pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Cool to, to see these Major League debuts and guys coming up and, and playing well. And as you said, you hope they stick because the Giants need a little bit of help from the right side uh, in the bullpen, I think. I want to ask you about just two more guys here before we let you go. Uh, Dominic Leone. We saw him, or Dom Leone, in, in the Cactus League, and now he's down at the alternate site. He threw really well, but he wasn't on the 40-man. Giants would have to make a move to get him onto the 40-man. I still think he's a guy who we could see at the big league level this year. What have you seen from him so far and, and maybe the prospects of him getting called up later this year? Yeah, great stuff, Copes. You know, he's, uh, you know, mid-90s with great off-speed stuff as well. And he's he's dominated. They call him, obviously, nickname was the Dominator. He's got, I think, close to six years of, of big league time. And he, a career ERA of just just over four. Like he's had, and his, his numbers throughout his career have been really, really good as a reliever with five different teams. Just one of those guys, you know, it just shows you how volatile it is being a being a bullpen guy, right? Even you, you can have some success and still bounce around, and he's one of those guys, and I think he could definitely go up and help him. One thing, he's, he has the experience. He's not going to be scared up there, you know, and he's, you know, look, he's still just 29, 30 years old, so he's a guy that, you know, still has time left, but he's, I mean, look, six years of big league service, that's no coincidence. Like, he's, he's good and legit. I think he'll get a shot at some point this year, hopefully. Yeah, Scott Casimir, the other one, kind of keeping an eye on for the uh, the same reasons. The last guy I want to hit on is this is a guy we've been hearing about since he was 17 years old. He seems like he's hitting the ball hard. He put on a show in the Cactus League. Uh, Elliot Ramos, uh, who I think we are going to see at some point this year, sooner rather than later. Does he jump off the uh, off the field at you? Does he does he look like a big leaguer already? Is he an impact player, you think, the second he steps on the field? What can we expect from Elliot Ramos? I heard somebody else talk about the fact that Farhan had said that They'd like to get somewhere between 250 and 300 at-bats and upper minors, and I'm not sure what that means. Does that mean double-A? Does that mean triple-A? And I started looking back at some of the players that have – remember Christian Arroyo? You know, Arroyo went up. He had 92 at-bats with Sacramento, and he was absolutely dominant, right? And he went up there, and he struggled. 
He struggled. You know, and guys like Mark Ellis, who had 500 at-bats here, went up there and did well. Bobby Crosby had 500 at-bats here, did well. And there's something to be said for getting hundreds of at-bats in AA and AAA and seeing every situation and seeing the failure and, and coming back from a couple of 0 for 4s that at the upper levels. It's it's close enough to the big leagues, you know, without the consistency to kind of get get a taste of reality. And I, I think he does need that. Now, that being said, you know, if he can help the big club, you know, maybe they will give him a chance up there. But I, I hope for his sake, that he is down here for a while. He can play in the big leagues right now, and he'll take his lumps and have some trouble before he finally gets it. But why not have him fail here at the minor league level at AAA? And that's, that's speaking a little selfishly. Obviously, I want to see him cope, so I want to see him for a while. But yeah, at the same time, yeah, yeah, right. I do think there's something to be said. I've just seen it through the years, having done this for so long, that I think guys that spend time in, in AAA and spend like 85 to 90 games here you kind of know what to expect a little more when they get to the big league level. Obviously, the spotlight's so much different up there, and everybody's pining for him to get called up to the big leagues because Giant fans want it now. They want it right now. But I just hope that they are patient with him. They wait. He is a special talent, man, just watching him. I try to look at what I see and not what I read. I tried with, with Elliot Ramos. I tried to say, look, pretend this guy's not a prospect and just watch him. Watch him like you're a scout. Watch him like you're just watching this guy for the first time. And it does jump out. Just you, even his arm and the way he covers the outfield and, and the way he, his approach at the plate and his power how you know comes off the bat at 111 or whatever. But he's fun to watch, man. And he plays the game with a lot of joy. You know, So I, I really, I'm excited to see the future. I hope he's here for a while. I hope he's here for a while for his sake, too, and for Giants fans' sake. I don't want him to be rushed up there and, and then have to come back down. When he, when he goes up there, I want him to stay up there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a great call, you know, especially because they've missed a whole season of minor league baseball. You know, even the alternate site last year, they're just sort of playing scrimmages against each other. So it's good that they're facing some opposition and that they're going to get a full season of some at-bats against some opposition this year and, uh, and learn to go through the growing pains. Johnny, I appreciate the time, man. A lot of fun talking baseball. We won't wait this long to have you on again. When we get into the AAA season, we'll pick your brain again on some of these players, man. Thanks, Copes. Really appreciate it. Great minor league breakdown from Johnny Doskow. And yeah, man, it's crazy that he had not been out there calling a game for a couple of years. And now he's just sort of sitting at the alternate site trying to get a grip on who these guys are. But I'm with him. When you call a player up like Elliot Ramos, you don't want him to end up back in AAA. When he comes up, you're hoping that he stays up. And also, I don't think the Giants are in a situation right now where they're manipulating service time for either he or Joey Bart. Clearly, the catching situation is much better this year than it was last year. They're not as desperate to have a, another catcher or a young catcher at the big league level right now. But but also, if the outfield continues to struggle from the right-handed side of the plate, you could see Elliot Ramos sooner rather than later unless he bursts onto the scene when the season starts and really forces their hand. So we'll see what happens as we move into the summer. Thank you to Johnny. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. We'll be back with you Friday talking about the pick the 49ers made at number three, and we'll find that out in just over 24 hours. All that is coming up tomorrow, so join us Friday morning talking 49er football. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.